Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to each and every one of you. This is Robert Rogers. I'm the founder of Parkinson's Recovery in 2004. By my count, we have now 14 marvelous years documenting all of the many wonderful natural therapies that are helping individuals currently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease find ways to reverse those symptoms. Our focus then is on anything, anywhere that we have discovered is making a difference to help people get well. The focus today is actually a follow-up on an interview that I conducted last month with Dr. Bill McAnally. He introduced a concept and idea that for me was, I must admit, revolutionary. And it basically is that we may need to be able to getting some food into our body that we really don't have access to. That might actually explain why some people who are doing everything right in terms of their recovery program are still struggling to see a reversal of all of their symptoms. Now, one of the concepts behind this particular science and this research has to do with something called aputosis. And I have recruited today an amazing individual, Dr. John Rollins, who really is the, I must say, expert on everything there is to know about this particular concept. It is, I must say, although, yes, I'm a researcher, and yes, I've been investigating the factors that cause Parkinson's and what we can do about it now for a number of years, this is a new concept to me. And yet, as I understand it, from a research point of view, there are Many, many, many studies that are being published every day by researchers who really discovered that apoptosis, which really has to do with the rejuvenation and regeneration of cells, is really where healing rests. So let me just say thank you from the bottom of my heart, Dr. Rollins, for taking the time today to be a guest on Parkinson's Recovery Radio. Dr. Rogers, it is my pleasure to uh, be with you today and to be with uh, all of your listeners uh, to talk a little bit about this fascinating new science of apoptosis and how it uh, impacts many, many, or practically all of our bodily systems. And today we will spend a little time talking about the implications of this new area of science uh, and sent, uh, on the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Uh, but first, let me start by telling uh, your listeners a little bit about myself. Um, I am a cell and developmental biologist, um, trained, uh, I got a bachelor's degree at Norfolk State University in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, and Norfolk is known, of course, as the home base of the Atlantic Fleet. So there are naval installations all over that southeastern corner of the state of Virginia. Went on to earn a master's degree in biology, um, specializing in the interruption of in the increase of interocular pressure in in pigmented rabbits. We use high-intensity white light uh, to damage the ciliary body for the non-biologists out there. That's that extension of the colored portion of your eye that actually attaches to the inside of the globe of your eye, and it controls the flow of fluid throughout the body. And uh, there are many folks who are suffering from increased pressure within their eyes 
Now scientists use lasers, but back in the ancient days, we used high-intensity white light. Uh, left Tuskegee with a master's degree and went on uh, to work, continue work towards a Ph.D. at the State University of New York in Buffalo, New York, uh, where we earned a second master's and a Ph.D. in developmental biology. Uh, in the old days, again, this used to be called the science of embryology or developing biological systems. We felt back in those days that the developmental biologists asked uh, Dr. Rogers the most important questions in science, and, and it's really just one question. How does a, a fertilized egg grow and develop into a mature organism and finally leave this earth by one means or another. And so that, bear, that really covers almost every aspect of science. And my specialty there in that study was uh, studying uh, uh, ways to alter the normal or natural embryogenesis or development in frog embryos. And we were micro-injecting uh, the needles were glass needles so fine that we had to actually manipulate the eggs and the and the small embryos uh, under a microscope and injecting minute portions of everything from messenger RNAs to ribosomal RNAs, uh, trying to affect the differentiation or the development in cells that were automatic or normally programmed to go in another direction, but we were able to shift cells to produce proteins that uh, they didn't normally produce or to, uh, to actually develop parts of the embryo that they would not normally develop into. From that point, uh, we went on to uh, New York University College of Medicine in New York City where I did two years of postdoctoral studies and was a research assistant professor there in the Department of Pathology studying chemical carcinogenesis or looking at how chemicals in our environment can induce or cause cells to uh, become cancerous. And then I took an academic job for uh, seven years or so at Howard University College of Medicine in the Department of Microbiology and uh, went into business. And uh, that didn't quite work out for me. So as my wife says, you, you've got to go find a real job again. So we uh, <laughs> were employed uh, at Patent and Trademark Office where I was a biotech patent examiner and a quality assurance examiner for some 23 years or so. And it was there that I, uh, during my tenure at the patent office, that I met Dr. Bill McAnally. That's the West, West Texas uh, way of pr pronouncing McAnally. I, I know it, it's phonetically McAnally, but in West Texas they say McAnally. Uh, so that, that's a little bit of my, you know, specific uh, training, um, and uh, it has been varied, and I have enjoyed every minute of it, and as I'm sure you experienced going through graduate training, it was fun and yet hor horrific and horrifying all at the same time, because you many times experiments did not work, and uh, 
we both know no one will allow us to publish negative data unless we've got something positive uh, to, to substantiate why we got the negative. So that that's where, you know, life has taken in terms of, of education and training. Um, you know, on a more personal note, uh, I've been married to the same young lady coming up in December. will be 53 years. We have three children and two grandchildren. We couldn't coerce them to give us more grandchildren, but, you know, that's that's what we got. <laughs> so let, let's take a look at, uh, and I know Dr. Bill probably covered a lot of, of, of this, and so some of what I may cover is going to be repetitive, um, but sometimes hearing something more than once gives us a better understanding of what might be going on. For several years now, this expression, apoptosis, and for your listeners, you might hear it pronounced apoptosis, uh, apoptosis. Um, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, it's just that in the scientific community, if you don't say apoptosis, they know you're probably not a scientist. But don't let that bother you at all. It, it's somewhat of a, a broad term that describes a number of biological pathways that uh, occur in each one of our cells, our bodily cells, and we have trillions of them, of, of cells, that is, and each cell has a number of these apoptosis pathways. Now, what these pathways do, and, and Dr. Rogers has, 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 has told us a little of, of what they are there to do, they are actually programmed by our DNA to either rejuvenate damaged cells, uh, that is to repair them if they can be repaired, and if they have outlived their usefulness, they are programmed to self-destruct or self-digest. Um, there are times where these processes, these apoptosis processes or pathways, uh, go uh, haywire occasionally, and we're going to touch a little bit of that as we go through our uh, discussion today. There are cells in our brains that apoptosis can get or become out of control, and we're going to talk about how uh, there are things that we can do uh, that can bring those cells back to a normal state. And, and all of what we're going to talk about, I believe, will have some impact or some implication on Parkinson's disease process. Now, keep in mind, we all know that so far there is no cure, and there's still so much work to be done on just understanding, you know, the physiology of what's happening in our brains and in other organs and tissues of our bodies that are impacted by or involved in the Parkinson's disease process. And so there is still a tremendous amount of work to be done. So I'm not here today to tell you that we have the answers, but I think we're on the verge of really approaching something that's going to be ground-shaking. And for some people, it already is because 
being able to influence and or to regulate these apoptosis pathways, particularly in our brain, we may be able to help to restore normal neurophysiology. And, if you will, and I'm going out somewhat on a limb, um, Dr. Rogers, on this, uh, may be able to prevent the changes that we, that doctors and, and physicians recognize when they are studying the disease process. And as many of you know, uh, the physicians learn more about this process upon autopsy. And, you know, if, if, if you will, if, if Parkinson's is in the cards for you, you don't want to wait until the autopsy to find out what, what is happening. We want to find ways, understand, we want to understand the biology of the process and how can we utilize the body's normal physiology or to restore normal physiology within our brains to prevent and or to accelerate the recovery of people suffering from Parkinson's uh, disease. So again, um, this, these apoptosis pathways are DNA coded. Now saying that, um, we have also found that the DNA is not operating just because it has a particular code or sequence of codes or number of codes. These coded sequences can be influenced by another area of science that we call epigenetics, and that is looking at outside influences on what our genes express and how they are regulated. In other words, uh, is there something in the environment, the air, the water, the foods we eat, that can have an impact on what our genes say? Uh, we have all seen, for instance, identical twins, and uh, though they are genetically identical, they may have differences in appearance. Uh, they might, uh, unfortunately, sometimes suffer from different disease processes. They may have different levels of intelligence and so on and so forth. There are all kinds of characteristics we can see that make them unique individuals, but they have the same DNA. So the epigenetics believes that the environment plays a very powerful role, and I'm using that term environment very broadly for this discussion. I'll try to narrow it in just a few minutes to some specific nutrients, how they might impact apoptosis and the Parkinson's disease process. Now, so we're going to need you to walk with me, those of you who are listening. Uh, though Dr. Rogers and I are, are scientists, uh, we recognize that not everyone is, and even though we can sit down and have a discussion uh, at a more scientific level, I'm going to try to shy away from uh, using the scientific jargon, if you will, but to try to, well, just put this in plain English, uh, to, so that we can get a broader understanding of, of how apoptosis might be involved in the Parkinson's 
disease process. So there are many studies going on right now, hundreds if not thousands of studies on the various cellular pathways involved in apoptosis, and they are very, very complex. And I, I am not as versed anywhere near as versed in the complexities or understanding or even, you know, talking about intelligently the complexities of these pathways as, as Dr. Bill is. Um, Dr. Bill, as you've already discovered, uh, Dr. Rogers, um, he really uh, can get to another level of looking at what's going on in our cells that are related to the apoptosis or apoptosis pathways. But one of the things that we can talk about, and I think hopefully will make some sense for all of us, is that and a lot of what we are talking about today really is intuitive, but it has taken this us thus far to realize, that is the scientific community, that, hey, something really is going on. There are some connections between how our bodies work and the foods that we consume. Food is not just present to provide energy for it, so energy is very important. Foods are, are provide structural components. Foods provide physiological components. Foods provide, you know, components for enzymes and hormones and, and all kinds of, of, of networks uh, that take place within our bodies, and the brain is probably one of the most complex of those organ systems uh, in our bodies. Now, so one of the things that Dr. McAnally discovered when in studying uh, and reading on this whole process or processes of how apoptosis or apoptosis pathways work, he began to make links, as I'm sure he told you, uh, between various food nutrients, and they're mostly plants or plant-derived, and how they later, once we consume them, if we are consuming them, how they impact upon various apoptosis pathways. So he began to look more deeply at various food ingredients, various food components, and specific pathways and specific regions of pathways. And he began to reason that if he can support and manage those pathways with food and food components, then perhaps our cells would be healthier. Well, you might say, well, aren't cells already healthy? Not quite. Um, as Dr. Rogers said, you know, many of us are we're eating what we think is a, a very good diet, and yet uh, we still come down with various kinds of ailments. We, we seemingly are doing all of the things that the, the scientific community says this is good for you, and so we, we, we consume it. But it's a little bit more involved than that because it's not only the scientific community involved here, it is also our food production system and industry that is involved here and may be the reason we are not getting these plants that I'm going to talk about today 
in our diet. They are missing. And one reason is, folks, is that many of these plants that affect, regulate, and support apoptosis are bitter. And guess what? Any child, any toddler, and, you, and, and, and there's a rare one, I, I know, try to feed them some baby food that is broccoli or some of the bitter uh, uh, vegetables, and they will turn those down almost automatically. We are almost pre-wired, hardwired for salty, sweet, and fat. And if we aren't hardwired, we have become so because that's seemingly all of what has been available to us probably for the last 50 to 100 years. These foods now that I'm talking about are ancient foods, are the, the forerunners of many of our modern food plants that have been changed by genetic engineering, by, by hybridization, uh, to engineer out of them some of these food components. And many of them are plant sterols. Now, I didn't say steroids. I said sterols. These are plant components that are similar to the steroids found in, in animals. But these plant components function very differently than, say, our steroidal hormones. And yet some of these plant sterols are beneficial for our uh, adequate use and production and regulation of our own hormonal system. That's just one little area. So they are no longer present. Dr. Bill, in looking at the literature, and looking at the research going, going on in, in apoptosis, began to realize that scientists were studying, um, researchers were studying various plants and um, to see if there was something. They were screening them, actually, just the way they screen uh, potential pharmaceuticals or drugs to see if they have beneficial biological effects. Dr. McAnally began to delve deeply into this area of research, and he discovered that there were a number of these ancient plants, herbs, for instance, that are found scattered around the earth, and he began to source them and to begin to do research with them to see how they affected different pathways or different regions of a particular pathway. Well, for those of you who may be having difficulty visualizing a pathway, uh, think of, um, and, I, and this is fresh on my mind because we were sitting at a, on the street uh, just yesterday watching uh, about a 150-car freight train pass in front of us. Each one of the cars in that freight train has a different function but they go to make up the whole of the train system. If one of those cars is damaged or, uh, and cannot be repaired, uh, there is, a, if you will, an apoptosis, apoptosis mechanism for the technicians to come in, uncouple that car, remove it, reconnect the ones that are, are in good shape, and the train can go on. But let's say that train... Uh, car uh, out of control 
and has lost its ability to regulate itself, it could cause a derailment and thus causing the entire train to begin to fail. And so that every link of that train, every link of a chain, you might envision or visualize as a pathway or a system of steps that various reactions have to take within ourselves. And there are different foods and food components that can have a positive or negative impact upon those different links or pathways within ourselves. Now, we know, you know more about this than I do, of, of what benefits various pharmaceuticals have and what they try to do. But, and that's not going to be our focus today. We're going to speak um, specifically about prevention and accelerating recovery. And I've told you a little about Dr. Bill and his research. Um, he retired about oh, 12, 15 years ago. Um, from working for a couple of major uh, companies, um, one uh, that, um, well, the first company that he was with, he uh, developed uh, some products, wound healing gels from the aloe vera plant, discovered the active biological principle in the aloe, and it was my good fortune, and that this, this is how I met him, to have been the patent examiner that examined uh, the application for patent protection, and that developed into a product called Ace Manin. It is probably one of the most popular and most used wound healing preparations in the hospital today. But that it does much more than that. He went on to, and Ace Manin is a very complex sugar. Now, there's that dirty word, sugar. And I'll tell you, when I was examining uh, those patent applications, Dr. Rogers, I, I just could not get my mind wrapped around a sugar being beneficial to us. After all, everything we learned in graduate school told us that we were eating too much sugar and excess, that is that that was not used for energy production, would be converted to fatty acids and stored in places we didn't like it being stored. Um, so, uh, it took me a while to get my mind wrapped around this this fantastic large polymer called ace nano, made of subunits of manos that seemingly affected practically everything, but more importantly was essential for what is now being called cell-to-cell -cell communication. He went on to discover that there were a number of other carbohydrates that were involved in this very intricate uh, process of cell-to-cell -cell communication. Now, why do I mention that? Because a number of the food components that are found, say, in the products that Dr. McAnally has developed, the Aroga Pathways products, um, many of them have to be transported or carried across our cell membranes to get into our cells where that they can be beneficial. And it's these very complex carbohydrates plus proteins on the surface of our cells that allow injury. They recognize these food components, transport them in, and so forth. And it becomes very, very important when it comes to neural tissue, brain tissue. There is something uh, in a 
in biological systems, particularly animal systems, I believe we're the only ones who have brains, not saying that the others don't have ways of communicating. They really do. Plants have a very complex system of communication underground, but that's a whole other story. There's something called the blood-brain barrier. And so if the brain needs nutrients, but somehow they're not available or they cannot be transported from our, our blood system into the brain tissue, the brain goes starved for those nutrients. Um, all of the products that Dr. McAnally, particularly a product called Brain and Nerve, which is one of my favorites, um, many of the plant components are able to cross, to readily cross the blood-brain barrier. Now, for someone who wants to prevent Parkinson's or someone who may already be suffering from Parkinson's disease uh, process, this is very important to know that if we know of food components or nutrients that can positively affect the pathways, the apoptosis pathways in our brains, um, we would want those nutrients to be able to cross the barrier. And that is exactly what we see. These nutrients can cross the blood-brain barrier to get to the neurons and other brain cells where they are needed to regulate apoptosis. Now, so that, that's, I think, a very important point to make. So after the screening, Dr. McAnally is able to identify uh, a number of these, these uh, plant components. He began to formulate various uh, combinations of these plants and plant components being sourced from around the world. Um, one product called Core, he may have mentioned this, is especially formulated to to affect or to positively support and to regulate apoptosis throughout our bodies. But sometimes we might need additional help, let's say, in our case today, our neurons and other brain cells. Now, what do these nutrients do? These are all known herbal preparations. One of the things that makes the aerobic products unique, not only the presence of these particular herbs or plant components and their, their comp the, the numbers and, and the identity of those uh, particular plants is that they are whole, 100% whole plants. And Dr. McAnally may have mentioned this. What they do, once they've identified the plants, they've tested them to test for quality to make sure that uh, the particular plant that the suppliers send them actually is the plant. They have sophisticated ways of amplifying or expanding the DNA if there's not enough DNA available so that they can positively identify which plants are in the batch of raw materials that they receive. And, uh, folks, that doesn't happen in many, many other uh, food supplement companies. They are not as stringent, if you will, as pharmaceutical companies. But Dr. McAnally is a Ph.D. pharmacologist, so he is trained in the arts of, 
of quality control uh, in the production of food supplements. Well, so if we can get the stuff into our brain, well, what does, what do they do? Well, without going into detail, and perhaps uh, Dr. Rogers will invite me back at some some other point uh, in the future where we might take a more detailed look at this link between apoptosis and and Parkinson's. Well, one of the things that we see in the general now, and we may go into a little bit of specifics a little bit later, is oxidative stress, wherein cells become damaged because of these, the need for a system of antioxidants that can cause damage to the cell walls of our brain cells, damage to the to the, the uh, cell uh, membranes of our nerves, and so on and so forth. They can break down, and since our, our whole nervous system is, is really an electrical system, a breakdown in the cell membranes or interruptions in the natural constitution of the cell membrane can be detrimental to a brain cell. And there are many, uh, several of these um, herbs that are found in a product like brain and nerve that can help to inhibit oxidative stress. Uh, we now know that, that, that oxidative stress along with inflammation uh, seems to be at the root of many, many disease processes. Uh, there are in the brain and nerve uh, plants like ashwagandha. Don't, you don't have to try to remember these. It's all written on the label if you choose to try some later. Astragalus root and Brahmi, uh, Bocapa, uh, and Garcinia cambogia. Some of these you may be familiar with. These plants have components within them that help to inhibit oxidative stress. Now, what that can do is inhibit some of those pathways in the brain that result in the production of, say, some toxic amino acids that can result in toxic and non-functioning plaques that can interfere with the production of dopamine, for instance, and the production of normal functioning neurons. And one of the beauties of using the whole plant or the whole, the whole plant component is that you're able to capture all of the nutrients present. And that, I'm going to say it's simple, but it is really not simple. Uh, they freeze dry the plant material. They put the plant material in a vacuum container at low temperature and this draws all of the water out, and you're left with a green or gray powder. And so all of the nutrients are preserved intact, and the water is removed. And then, folks, believe it or not, the capsules are filled by hand. And I know you may find that hard to visualize, but they are, they are manually filled, not by machine. Many of these components have multiple multiple activities because all of the nutrients are there. 
and, and this makes us very different than the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, you know, and when I do patent work and I still do some prosecution, um, there's one drug, one disease. So you've got one chemical for one function. But food doesn't operate like that. There are multiple nutritional components found in food, and many times they are working synergistically with one another so that the presence or absence of one or more of the necessary components may cause that particular supplement not to function properly. So, again, we have groups of, of, uh, of food components, plants, that can help to reduce these toxic uh, amino acids. And they, they are excitatory. I mean, what I mean by that is, is that they can, if you will, emit or cause the emission of a false signal that interrupts the normal flow of signals along, say, a neuron into, from one cell to another. And so you're getting excitation of nerves that should not be there. Many of these components in the brain and nerve can help to reduce this, these excitatory amino acids from accumulating uh, in and around our neurons. And the, one of the big culprits is neural inflammation. Inflammation is probably the root of practically every disease known to mankind. And there's one, uh, astragalus root. Uh, this particular herb helps, is a tremendous normal or natural anti-inflammatory agent. And why do I say normal or natural? Because what we're trying to do is to restore natural or normal physiology or normal physiological functions to our cells. Drugs don't do that. Drugs will, will poison, will will block or kill cells and disrupt normal physiology. And then there are components, and again, they overlap, that um, can inhibit neuronal apoptosis. Now you say, wait a minute, Doc, you, you're making a positive link, but now you want to inhibit. Well, uh, one of the things that we see that happens during uh, Parkinson, the Parkinson's disease process is that there are certain neurons that apoptosis is out of control. And so neurons are being destroyed when they should be repaired and restored to normal function. These plant components can go in and quiet that abnormal process and restore normal apoptosis within our neurons. Uh, Doc, I think I'll slow down here, and if there are any questions that you might have, and of course, in anything new, any new scientific area, there are tons of studies, and so it's virtually impossible to try to cover everything. I think we have to take this one bite at a time. But I think uh, hopefully your guests are beginning to see that if we can provide plant components that have the ability to, to support and to regulate the apoptosis pathways within our brain cells that we can 
realistically begin to look forward to a restoration of normal physiology uh, in our brain cells. You're listening to my interview with Dr. John Rollins. This is Robert Rogers, your host of Parkinson's Recovery Radio. Dr. Rollins, one of the fascinating aspects of this whole history behind the development of this new initiative is that you actually met Dr. Bill in the patent office, as I understand it. He came with a proposal to patent some foods. My father was a patent lawyer, and his way of explaining patents was, well, Bobby, that's what he called me when I was a boy, you can't patent food, hello? So when Dr. Bill came into your office and said, I'm here to talk about patenting foods, what was your reaction? Um, The same response your father had. Um, You you cannot obtain a patent on a naturally occurring substance. Somehow, uh, but one of the things that, um, you know, as I began to understand Dr. Bill's invention, and it applies here as well, because all of these are plant substances, and they are all known. But what happens is the patent law says that if you can modify, and I don't mean change chemically, and that does happen on the pharmaceutical side, but if you can, can modify or remove a component from its, quote, natural environment, uh, combine it with other components, and they can be naturally occurring, in a way that has never been done before, the law says that you may be entitled to a patent. And I say maybe because the patent examiner then has to go on and to make sure that that invention hasn't already been made or that it couldn't have been made, uh, even though people knew about, in this case, all of these herbs. But no one has sought to put them together in a fashion such that they are able to support and to regulate the apoptosis pathways. So your father was absolutely right. Um, And it took a long time um, for both the scientists as well as many patent attorneys and patent examiners to really come to grips with this subtlety in the law. You cannot patent a human being, for instance, uh, but if you have various kinds of cells that are of human origin and they have you have modified them, say, to perform a particular task in the laboratory or research setting, it may be possible to uh, uh, gain a patent on that newly, and I don't like to use the term created because I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I hope I don't offend anyone in saying that, but I believe there's only one creator, but he has given us the ability to modify his creation, to make it more useful, if you will, uh, to what we need. Everything we need is already here. It's just finding it and finding a way to make sure that it really benefits us. And so and in, in saying that, you know, we're not a me too kind of product. Nobody else has is doing this. I must say, Dr. Rollins, I think uh, what's happening here with Aroga and the research that uh, you and Dr. Bill have been doing is truly revolutionary. It's very exciting development uh, for me. I have a couple of questions that were submitted by listeners. And the first Mm -hmm. basically says, please ask Dr. Rollins if 
his company produces a product or products in combination that cause the body to increase the production of dopamine or act mm-hmm. directly as a dopamine molecule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, we don't produce a product specifically designed. Uh, certainly, we're not producing dopamine. Uh, but what we do have in various combinations found in the brain and nerve, for instance, uh, when we're consuming that product and we're beginning to restore natural physiology within the brain, the brain will begin to make the dopamine that it needs and the amounts that it needs. But because of you know oxidative stress, because of these plaques and, be- and because uh, of these cytatory uh, amino acids, many times that normal production process is inhibited, or it might be exaggerated depending upon what's going on. But now, again, see, the whole philosophy here is, is to restore natural physiology or normal physiology. So, yes, there's a partial yes to that question. If we give the brain what it needs, the brain already knows how to use the material and how to produce uh, the dopamine, the various neurotransmitters, for instance, that it needs uh, to undergo normal function. There's a follow-up to this question, and it is, Mm -hmm. if these products or product exists, please specify uh, more about them, where can they be obtained, et cetera, et cetera. So specifically, uh, if you look on the Aroga website, there are a number of different products listed. I think he's asking, okay, what is it that needs to be uh, specifically acquired in order to be able to see a benefit when it comes to the production of dopamine? Yeah, I I would certainly uh, recommend the core. And and again, because we're looking at total body health uh, with the the core, Pathways core product. And and, and that's going to give you uh, there's a little bit of crossover, if you will, in terms of ingredients, plant ingredients, in the core and in the product called Pathways Plus Brain and Nerve. This product is especially formulated to, 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 to help to support and regulate normal physiology and health in our neural system, in brains and brain and nerve and so forth. And so... Uh, those would be, certainly be two. And I, I really, uh, Dr. Rogers, I always have to throw in my old friend, Allo One. This is the product that has the, the ACE mannan, this, uh, this polysaccharide of mannose subunits. Uh, and, you know, that name mannose, there's a growing body of evidence that suggests that manna, the manna of of the Christian Bible uh, may have been a mannose-like product, or in fact was mannose. In fact, even in the Middle East today, you can find, you can extract or collect mannose from the, it's a web-like, sticky, uh, dewy kind of stuff that occurs in the morning on some plants uh, in the Middle East and in some parts of Africa. Uh, so, yeah, those would be the three that I would recommend. And, and I understand that, you know, expense or finances sometimes, but certainly um, if it comes down to one product, go with the brain and nerve because you're going, I think, 
to begin to see some differences uh, in the way you're feeling, the way your, your brain is going to begin to function. And then once you're feeling better, go ahead and throw in some core to make sure your whole body is now enjoying this new, new good health. In terms of how much of this to take, should users be concerned about perhaps taking too much of something like the brain and nerve or too little? How do they know how much to take? You can probably take too little, and I say that um, cautiously, and, and I'll get to the too much in a minute. Um, in taking too little, well, first of all, the recommended uh, dosage, if you will, and, and I know that's more of a pharmaceutical or, or medical term, but um, it is two capsules per day. But a person in, in the midst of, of Parkinson's disease may choose to take more than two a day. Um, uh, I'm, I'll give you an example. I'm, arthritis is prevalent in, in my family. And um, I, again, the recommendation is two of the bone, and jo bone joint and endocrine but I may take as many as six. Um, the, what you get over time, you begin to build up the amount of active ingredients in your circulating throughout your bloodstream. Uh, you know, I don't reckon it, would be, it wouldn't be economically uh, advisable to take them by the handful, for, even though I don't believe there's no evidence that this would hurt anyone. Um, we, you're going to get enough. And, and it, inside of that is, a, is another interesting question. All of these are based upon the way our ancient hunter-gatherer ancestors ate. They didn't have time to sit down to eat, you know, an eight-course meal every day. They were getting a little bit here and a little bit there of a variety of plants. And so that... Uh, Getting too much was seldom the, the possibility, but seldom an opportunity. But we've seen over the last oh, three years of being in business, and Dr. McAnally has been utilizing the products and the prototypes in his research for, for, for the last uh, uh, well, more than three years, um, that we have not seen any adverse effects when people take more than the recommended amount. So too much, um, you know, if, if sometimes we say if two is better, four, if two is good, four must be better. Not always, because over time you will begin to accumulate various components of, of material within your body anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. So... I cannot give a definitive answer on too much because we don't know yet. But certainly two or four or six. I take six core every day, and sometimes as many as ten, to get that additional anti-inflammatory activity, normal anti-inflammatory activity that I know my body needs. So you've got to listen to your body, listen to your physician, and uh, your body can usually guide you in the right, right direction. And if your position is open, uh, they will usually be of great assistance as well. A question asked by another listener is the following. I am profoundly allergic to zeolite. 
but I noticed that several of the Plus products have a zeolite component included. Should I avoid taking those products because of my allergy to that? Well, that, that is one of those difficult questions sometimes also uh, because uh, we humans can be allergic to almost anything. Um, I, I would recommend to the person that they try just a little bit to see how their body responds. Uh, and if they do get a reaction, no, don't, don't take them. Stick with the products that don't have that particular component. So... I want to just say in my interview with Dr. Bill last month that I was looking down the lists of foods that he connected with each of the factors that cause Parkinson's symptoms, and quite frankly, I didn't recognize a number of the foods that were listed. So mm-hmm. that, of course, one of the ideas uh, for people might be, okay, all I have to do is look at the list of foods, go to a store, buy the foods, and then I'll get what I need. But it looked to me like, wow, it looks like some of these aren't even available. Would that be a fair summary of what you see is happening? Yeah, that is definitely a fair summary. Some may not even be available to the general public. Um, But even if they could source each one individually, um, extracts may give you some benefit, and most of what we see in the marketplace today are various extracts. In fact, that was my specialty at the patent office, plant extracts. Um, but so that you, you may not get the full benefit of what's in the plant because the various uh, solvents that are used to remove the food components that have been identified as being beneficial may not bring in other um, components that are necessary for the main product uh, component to to work effectively. Um, Also, it's not just the listing of plants that uh, Dr. Bill is concerned about. It is also the proportion of the individual plant components, whole plant components to each other that he's found through, uh, through his research that to work out different formulations, which ones work best in human beings? What do our bodies really need? And uh, that is very intricate. Uh, and it would be difficult, even for me, to go into the health food store and to pull these herbs. And each one of these, many of these, you can pull off the shelf at your local health food store. Um, first of all, it would be cost prohibitive uh, because you're going to spend much, much more than you would with buying the Aroga products with with the proper amounts already present in them. Um, and, and so those are, you know, they're, they're whole food, they're not extract, and they are proportioned in a way that is one to the other in a way that is most beneficial to our, to our bodies. One of my reactions to this exciting development is that it may explain why so many people I have interviewed over the years who are doing everything right when it comes to their Mm -hmm. recovery programs. They're doing Mm -hmm. exercise. They're doing detoxes. They are eating organic, nutritious foods. I mean, if you look at their choices, 
none of them could really be better, and yet they still are experiencing some problematic symptoms. It occurred to me, well, mm-hmm. maybe this is one explanation. That is, the fact is that they're just not getting the foods that are necessary to promote healthy apoptosis. Now, would that statement, in your view, be an accurate statement? I think so, absolutely, uh, because um, we're not getting these in our diets anymore. We, we, you know, very few human beings are hunter-gatherers any longer. We certainly, you know, living in the Western world, are not hunter-gatherers. We may think so when we're in the supermarket, but not really. Yeah, we, we're not getting them. And we can have what what the broad science, broader you know, scientific community says is a good diet and we may be making good selections, but those, and the names of the foods might be good because at one time they did contain a number of those essential, if you will, nutrients. But because of modern agriculture, those nutrients no longer exist in those foods. And uh, so adding these as Supplements. So these are not substitutes, but they are supplements to our diet. So if you're if you're eating a relatively good diet, stick with it. But add these, and I think you're going to see some improvements and increasing increases in your health that you really have not experienced, perhaps in a very long time. Dr. Rollins, on behalf of the thousands of listeners of Parkinson's Recovery Radio, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to explain what I think is a very exciting research and scientific discovery to our listening audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps one of these days, uh, I, and I appreciate that, and I thank you very much for those kind words. Um, Dr. Bill and I uh, do a good job together sometimes. We're, we're like, a, a, we're not comedians, but we're like a good comedy team. I, I like to kid him and say, okay, you, you give the science and I'll interpret for so, Maybe something you may want to think about in the future. That oh, sounds wonderful. We'll get you both on the on the program. You can do uh, yes, your you. uh, combined presentation and entertain us all. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Rollins. My it pleasure. really means a great deal to me and many other people as well. My pleasure. And that's what's happening here on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart. All the men are, of course, handsome, and all of the children are truly loved. Know that by the simple fact that you have taken the time today to listen to this radio show interview with the amazing Dr. John Rollins, that indeed you are, in your own way, in your own time, and in your own fashion, are traveling down the road to recovery. Thank you so much for joining us You're connecting now into the one initiative globally that identifies all sorts of natural options that are helping individuals currently diagnosed with the symptoms of Parkinson's disease find ways to reverse those symptoms. Thanks so much for being with us today. It's a pleasure and an honor. We look forward to connecting with you at our next exciting radio show interview. Good day.